Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Ow! What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. Okay, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck, Nicks? And of course, you what the fucking knots who are out there in what the fuck orbit. Come on down, or I hope you're getting this. This is Mark Marin. This is WTF. I'm happy to be here. I'm glad you're listening. Welcome to the show. A lot of new people listening, and I want to welcome you to the What the Fuck family. <laughs> I never uh, did. I just welcome you to the What the Fuck family. Well, fuck it. Welcome to the What the Fuck family. I hope everyone's having a good time. Do you need me to pass the mashed potatoes down to you at the end? Look, folks, a couple of dates right up front so I don't forget and uh, shoot myself into the foot as much as I love to do it, and I am wired to do it. I'm going to work against that. I will be at the Punchline in San Francisco this weekend. That's Thursday, November 11th, Friday, November 12th, and Saturday, November 13th. So uh, come down if you're available. I'll be available. You come down and we'll hang out. Uh, Then on the 15th of November in Pontiac, Michigan at the Crowfoot Ballroom, I have no idea what that is or what to expect or what it's close to or or where you people are coming in from, but I will be there and I will do a show. It looks like a nice place. I'm excited to come, but I all I know is to fly there. I seem I don't know if I, I needed to get a deal or what, but I seem to be flying through through Pennsylvania, then back to Detroit or back to Pontiac. I don't know, but it's going to be a day's journey for me to get to Pontiac, Michigan. I know times are tough there, but I didn't know that uh, they no longer had direct flights into the state. I don't know, but I'm going to be at the Crowfoot Ballroom on November 15th, and I'm looking forward to it. So look, folks, I'm a little out of it. I woke up. I don't know what happened. I woke up. It felt like someone had been sitting on me all night, and there was nobody sitting on me. I don't mean just like a little person. I mean a person with some girth, with some weight, perhaps a a heavy set apparition. Somehow or another, I woke up, and it felt like I'd been hit by a fucking truck, and I've been trying to pull it together all goddamn day. I've got the sweats. Not because I'm sick, just because it's 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 intensely difficult for me to do just regular fucking things. I don't know what it is. I took my vitamins. Shouldn't that do it? I mean, what is going on? And then I remembered, oh, shit. Yeah, the elections. That's what sucked the life out of me. That's what sucked my disposition you know, into something existentially frightening. But we'll see. I find that I'm not as fucked up as I usually am. And I, you know, I see a lot of tweets and a lot of people posting like I'm leaving the country. This is it. We're fucked. It's over. Is it over? You know, maybe you should have been thinking about that six months ago. Is it over? I don't know if it's over. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be a shitty two to six years in the sense that I don't know what's going to get done. Things were getting done. Some people were not happy with the things that were getting done. There's nothing you can do about it. But I have begun to realize that at the plotting pace that legislative democracy works, this ebb and flow of things is is par for the course. We've been through worse. It's going to be difficult. I wish us all the best. Uh, There's no quick fix. There's no easy cure. There's no overnight patch up that's going to happen. It's just going to be a long, difficult, angry slog. And we're all in it together, except those of you who have so much money that you should send me some. I voted for the pot, but the pot didn't pass. Uh, even though I don't smoke pot, I felt that there was enough momentum and I appreciated the arguments uh, by the people who enjoy the pot to make the pot happen. But the pot didn't happen, but it put it out there in the world. 
I also love living in a state that thinks it was uh, that really believed and 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 wanted it to be a reasonable idea that we should tax our state's biggest crop to make some money. Uh, you know, I guess taxable pot is a problem for some people, but but nonetheless, uh, I, I would have loved to have a uh, a state government that ran on uh, pot money. That that uh, the part of that would have made me happy. On the show today, Dr. Ken, or as you know him, Ken Jeong from The Hangover, from the show Community. Uh, great actor, great comic actor, also did some stand-up. He approached me. It was very interesting. He's a huge WTF fan. He got in touch with me on Twitter, then we emailed, and, and uh, I was thrilled to have him out, and we'll be talking to him in just a few, but let me blather on about a few things first. I've been trying to eat healthy, which i.e. means uh, lose a few pounds, which, as you know, is something that is hereditary to me, and I know as a guy, it's not great to talk about this, but I am a compulsive eater, and I've got to be honest with you, I'm about sick of fucking Air Pop popcorn. There's nothing soul-fulfilling about Air Pop popcorn, and there's nothing more clear uh, uh, when you're a compulsive eater that you are that when you're shoveling air pop popcorn into your mouth because you're trying to fill a pretty big hole there's a big vacuum there there's a there's a great sadness at the core of your being there, towards the bottom of what is your heart chasm that needs to be filled in by temporary spackle in the form of some sort of satisfying food air pop popcorn not being that it's almost like you know there's just just this horrendous demon mouth at the bottom of my guts and i just keep shoveling air pop popcorn into its mouth and it just keeps going no 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 but i keep doing it and it it gets me past it gets me past the cravings so i'm waiting for that to stop and i guess it's really on me to stop that that aside today given that i was queasy and tired was the day i had to go to the apple store which really is usually a pretty pleasant experience i figure hey fuck it's the middle of the day. It's a weekday. I won't have any problem at all. I walked into the Apple store in Pasadena and it might as well have been a fucking rave. I cannot believe it. There was like 20 employees. There was like 100 people milling around, playing with toys. And all I needed was someone to check my goddamn battery. Then I started having flashbacks about the last time that I relied on those people. I think I've told part of this story before, but I went in there with a memory problem, with an iTunes problem, and some guy there just, you know, at the at the flip of a button, at the at the... The pushing of a button disposed of my songs, all millions of them, millions of songs thrown away, an empire of music gone because of some genius at the genius bar. I felt lost. So that was there in my back of my head. And I think the guy who did it was there. And I looked at him and he looked at me. There were no hard feelings. I don't think he remembered me like I remembered him to be the guy that destroyed my empire of song. Yeah. I, I saw him as as literally some sort of musical genocidal maniac who completely, you know, uh, uh, multi-ethnically cleansed my entire hard drive of music that I had to retrieve in a in a in an awkward way by downloading some software that I could rip the songs back off of my iPod. But none, nonetheless, so I get in there. I got to wait forty five minutes. All of a sudden, it's like a fucking doctor's office at the iStore, store at the Apple store, and then I got to fight the urge to. There are people sitting at the Genius Bar that are taking their time. It's almost as if they're like, literally the way I heard it in my head while I was waiting just to have someone check my battery because I needed to get a new battery. I just saw four people sitting at the Genius Bar saying, all right, now how do you work it once it's on? That's what I thought I heard. Literally people were like, now this button does what? It's uh, enter does what? Now delete. So that if I want that letter to go away, I just push delete. Okay. 
So that's a start. Now, what do we do now? What is this? How do we? I I hear that these computers can hold things in in something like a memory. Is that? Do you have that button? I was going out of my fucking mind, and I'm sweating, and I don't feel well, and I'm getting aggravated, and I didn't know what was going to give. I didn't know how it was going to end. I didn't know whether or not I was going to lose my cool. And then uh, Jessica came in, and she had been at H and M, which scared me when she said I'm going to H and M because you know, between me and you, she's got a little you know you know, a little shopping thing. But uh, in the middle of my meltdown, she came in and goes, I bought you underwear. And uh, she showed me the underwear she bought me in the Apple store. And somehow or another, that distracted me enough to uh, to feel grateful and happy that I had someone buying me underwear, though I didn't need it, but it was a nice gesture that uh, it disarmed a lot of the anger. And once I approached the Apple guy, they're very nice there. I just don't, I think that there, it comes a point when you're at the Genius Bar, you're looking to get something fixed that they've got to put a time, they've got to put a cap on the time that they spend with people. Because it seems that if you give people who need have computer problems, you know, enough time, yeah, they'll they'll sit there for two hours and have you show them how to cut a movie. You know, literally it gets to that point where I'm just sitting there and then there's a guy going, all right, so now... In order to use Final Cut, which I know is in an Apple program, let's. Why don't we put a short film together just so you can uh, tell me how? Look, I'll shoot it on my iPhone. We'll die. And I'm like, dude, I got it. I got a, a, a dealable problem here. We're not making movies now. I have new underwear. I'm okay. I'm okay. So Ken Zhang, right? Yes, that's how you pronounce it. Yes. Now, I, honestly. Uh, you, you, welcome to the Cat Ranch. Thank you. Yeah, Thank to- you. It's an honor to be here at the Cat Ranch. <laughs> In the garage. Now, I was talking to my friend. I didn't know you were a doctor for real. Oh, okay. Until like a couple weeks ago. Like, you're, you're like a real doctor. Yeah. Now, <laughs> what what kind of person, like, you, why would you fucking choose comedy over being a doctor? When I was at, I, I went to Duke. I'm from North Carolina, and I went. Um, Did you I, know Zach and those guys down there? I didn't know him there. I knew him when I when right, I came of out course, here. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I had, uh, I, you know, I, I was uh, pre med at Duke, and and I I took some acting classes there, and I at, when I was in college, and I actually got into the to the drama department there, and I really, you know, at that time I was like eight nineteen. Yeah, yeah, 18, 19, I'm 41 now. And yeah. I was I was thinking like, this is really really what I want to do. I never did drama in high school. I had no inkling to do it. Uh-huh. And I was like, wow, I just, this is, I feel like this is what I really want to do. But at that point, I was in my second semester, uh, sophomore year at Duke, uh, just about to fail out of organic chemistry. And my and we hadn't, I, I was not there on scholarship. My, my parents were not wealthy by any means. And, yeah. and so I think I was kind of uh, Koreaned into staying pre-med. <laughs> 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 and, but it, was, it wasn't just my father making me do it, um, although I thought that at that time. Um, but I, it really was like, okay, it, it, you know, I, I just couldn't go through with it. And I, I lucked out and I got into med school and I, declined getting into uh drama school and then i uh and once i got into medical school it was weird i was like well i still had a performing bug and i just wanted to do something i really wanted to do theater yeah and i i couldn't do that and then that's when i started doing like open mics and i went to uh unc in uh, new orleans uh, no i went to a med school university north carolina chapel hill yeah like half an hour away and so i i started doing some open mics in raleigh north carolina sure at charlie goodnights charlie goodnights is where i really got started yeah i remember that place i was working on my own issues at that time i was in med school and i was just trying to 
I just felt like I really needed a. I just needed to perform and do something. You know. Well, that's so weird because like I I feel like I didn't know you as a comic. I feel like that. No, you really, yeah, no one you, knew me. <laughs> well, but I watched uh, I watched some of your clips. I mean, you've been out there. Yeah. I mean, I talked to Al Madrigal. He knew you. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's guy. a good friend of mine. And then there's, a sh- but I think a lot of when you were out here doing stand up, you know, I wasn't here. Like when you were doing the improv or before you broke it, you know, into TV. Yeah, I never really was. I never thought I was. Again, I was kind of the. Um, I do think I was kind of the, uh, the actor who did stand up. You know, to maybe hopefully, ultimately, maybe go in back to acting. I think I thought of myself that way. Oh, really? Yeah, I really did. I really didn't think I was a good stand up, and in, in, in the sense of I wasn't a great writer, and I just was. I was a great performer, and I knew I could do that, and and I because I wanted to be an actor, and I really couldn't do that. But I but I respected the I respected the. Form enough where I, I I played by I really you know played by everybody's rules you know every night I would work I worked at Kaiser at HMO out here in the valley and every, so you're a practicing I was doctor. practicing doctor from ninety nine to oh six yeah <laughs> I can't believe this. so literally after the show if I have some problems you can, you're an internist I absolutely I'm an internist I can I can <laughs> and my wife's a family practitioner and so she still works she still works at Kaiser but, so we could we could help you yeah. but you <laughs> but you 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 talk about medicine I grew up my dad's a doctor you know right and, right. And I grew up with this, so there's always part of me when I have doctor in there that I'm like, yeah, can you just check out this? You know, I don't want to be weird, but uh, <laughs> but I can't believe you were a practicing doctor and then you chose to do this. I can't. I know when I yeah. Uh, I mean you're. Yeah. I mean now you're you're a regular on Community. You've been in The Hangover. You've been in Knocked Up. You've been in a lot of movies. You're that guy. Yeah. To a lot of people, there's yeah. that guy. Yeah. That Asian guy. That, I'm that guy. Yeah. yeah. They don't know my name. I'm like that guy. <laughs> but you're always funny, and you always have a certain tone. I mean, and like here you are, a very pleasant person. And I've watched your stand up, and I see the characters that you usually end up evolving into, and it's very aggressive. Right. It's very peculiar. It's over the top usually. Yeah. And and a little intimidating. Angry and. Peculiar. Judd Apatow told me uh, after Knocked Up, he said, "You're funniest when you're angry," uh-huh. and and I felt like that was that really informed me of my acting work ever since. Is what? kind of levels of that, and I, I joked to Judd, it was like I thought I would try to. Pl- kind of a people pleaser so i said hey i just did this other movie and i was really angry and i think it's really funny he's like okay now now the key is to try to tr- you know now try to be funny without being angry <laughs> yeah. and so it's really uh well i think you have uh, a lot of different uh manifest <laughs> a lot of different uh, tones of anger right like i think i think the knocked up anger is differently than the than the doctor than the hangover the, anger the yeah. hangover yeah, anger yeah. or even the and the community anger right Right. I mean, there was something. I guess it was familiar to do and knocked up to be sort of a passively, yeah. uh, uh, kind of, like righteous doctor. Yeah, that was a. And the way I played that was uh, a, a doctor who had a bad day. I didn't. I never played it as an evil doctor. I think that's the key to playing a lot of because I do play a lot of quote unquote villains, and I I feel the key is to never think you're a villain. You're just a guy who had a bad day. <laughs> Even if you've just killed a thousand people. Even if you people. just killed a thousand people. That was a bad day. That was a bad day. You're just really stressed out. <laughs> really Genocide bad is bad. I'm not I'm not taking anything from that. But you know, I mean something yes. happened. You know, I, I I try I was I was at a water faucet and, and, and I was trying to drink some water and the water just splattered my face yeah. and that's why I killed that, all yeah, those people. And that's why the Jews must die. <laughs> yeah, I get it. But I still like it's interesting because like I don't wanna I wouldn't make it sort of uh, uh, the 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 Asian stereotype idea, uh, other than like when I watched your stand up, you sort of leaned on that a bit. Oh right? yeah, that <laughs> right right what you barely right what you know superficially. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just you know that was all I could get. I mean, I think I was also though very much a crowd guy. I was really no, into yeah. the crowd and and trying to kill, and that's what. 
Um, I tell my friends all who are stand-ups now, that was my undoing because the the key to get to the next level is to, you know, do what... Cut away from that. Cut away from that, what's funny to you. And I was always the kind of guy that... Um, I'm good friends with Kevin Shea, and he's a, is another Korean comic I know very well. And he's always like, "Your texts are much funnier than your act," you know. <laughs> and I was always funnier to my friends, yeah, well, my comedy friends outside of off stage. But yeah. I think I was too um, uh, addicted to the kill. I think, and I think there's sure. a, there's a lot of comics uh, out there that you just get you just get caught up yeah, in no, that. Yeah, and, absolutely. And it was hard and, for me to break. And to be it's honest. expected from you. I mean, and why wouldn't you do that? Yeah. I, yeah on some level, the yeah. guys who, who, who go for periods without killing, I mean, they're sort of banking on the idea that eventually people will come around to them or then you're just a guy that doesn't work. Right. I mean, <laughs> I mean you're going to have to kill sometime. Yeah. Either it's going to be on your own terms or you're going to be pandering, but you're going to, you, know, you want to kill. But I find in my, when I act, I do exactly the opposite. It's oh, only definitely. what makes me laugh and I don't care if anyone else thinks it's funny but if it makes me laugh then i do it and that's so i feel like it's been the opposite end of and it's been obviously more rewarding and, and more fulfilling on, on a lot of levels but yeah creatively the most fulfilling is i'm i'm just uh i'm just doing what i think is funny to me and or or, or, or sub, at the very least sublime yeah. to me you know, but, you, but you build tension yeah. i mean you like to yeah, build tension i love to build tension <laughs> and you know and then you're just able to release it which is good yeah but, i mean there's yeah. been i've i've seen you do some uh some parts where it gets pretty fucking uncomfortable yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think yeah i think i channeled into my inner rage i mean i think that I think that like my dad told me I was a perfect person except for my anger, whether it was like chemical or Korean. I don't know. He goes, Ken, you are always, you are always good. You're a good guy. You're perfect except for you have temper. He would always tell me that. Yeah. And even when I, even when I was eight years old, so I was always, uh, um, I'm that guy who can. Like one of my best friends, Mike O'Connell, um, yeah. tells me he does a great impression of me being mad in real life. He's like, "This, this is horrible. This is horrible. This is fucked up." I'm sorry, man. I'm so yeah. sorry. That's that. <laughs> That's that you. is like me in a nutshell. I'm I'm the I think I'm an angry guy who's uh, the self aware angry guy. Well, I you, you know, know I I I, the guilty, I relate the guilty angry guy. I relate to that, <laughs> and I used to have this thing with my ex wife. I said that. You know, well, that was about lying, but if it, you know, it's really, it's gotten to the point where I'm so self-aware of anger. It's exactly what you said that you're really just trying to 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 close that gap yeah. between outburst and apology to the point. Yeah, I mean, where you hope that you don't need to get angry. Yeah, I mean, have you done anger management? No, but I think that um, has the, has it ever been destructive in your life? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think that I think in med school, I just was really angry because I just wasn't. I was really not, I just didn't know if this was the right path for me, but I felt, I think anger comes out of uh, feeling trapped in life, I think. I, I don't know. This is just based on my own experience. When you feel like you don't have any other options or this is an only, this is your only way well, out. that's frustration. It's frustration. So maybe it's out of anxiety or frustration, you know, but I, I felt like, I remember being very mad in med school a lot because i feel like well is this is the path for me is this i i want to do comedy i'd rather but i'd rather you're, but you're still succeeding in but, med school but i'm still succeeding in med school <laughs> it's almost like that william hurt line like in broadcast news well i'm no good at what i'm being a success at you know where I, I felt like i was headed that way and i was i was nervous about that but somewhere along the line that that did subside in medicine when i was i did my residency in new orleans and 
the director of my residency was just a really enlightened guy who was on the board of Jazz Fest and was a prominent like uh, nephrologist there. And he told me he loved what I was doing. He loved the fact I was doing comedy, and he loved the fact that I was doing medicine. And 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 I, I was kind of grown up to feel like they were definitely mutually exclusive. There is no. In you weren't going to be the angry Patch Adams. I wasn't going to be the angry. Guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think. I think that's a, I, after this interview, I should write a treatment and for the angry angry pa- Patch Adams. I, it, it may actually have legs. Just do the, your style of comedy, but be Patch Adams. <laughs> Patch Adams. And going into talking to kids. What's the matter with you? <laughs> with the, I just think just go full out stereotyped like within like an angry Kabuki makeup. <laughs> It's just everything in comedy has been done, right? You just right. got to do a fresh spin on it. I haven't it. seen that. Every, you know, no one's seen that. No one, no studio exec can say that's, that has been done. I defy any studio exec listening to say that's been done. I think angry patch kabuki items could be definitely be done. I, I, go ahead, pitch it. <laughs> but, uh, just but, give me a credit by credit. I, uh, yeah, I'll give you a story by credit because okay, then I'll have no, uh, I'll be listening to the podcast, no end like, oh, that motherfucker can, <laughs> can stole, my bit. stole my bit from my feral kingdom here. <laughs> and uh, But no, I, I I think, uh, but my boss in residency said he said something that I found a lot of peace with. Where you will, you will, you can be a great doctor with your comedy background, and you can be a great comedian. You can be good. Well, I wasn't great, com- but you can be. A, you have the potential to be great in your art because of your medical background. I never really thought about that. But and, did, what, and did then, you get any satisfaction from from helping people? Yes, yes. I mean, that's what I miss the most. I don't miss being on call. I don't miss the clinic schedule. Yeah. I don't miss. 10-minute appointments where you need an hour to see the patient. I don't miss any of that. Yeah. I miss every single one of my patients, and I still will email some of them. And Really? Or, yeah, yeah. And then I've run into some of them. I mean, I live in Calabasas, and I practiced in Woodland Hills, so I I run into former patients And it's all only the time. a few years ago. It's only, yeah, it was only like four, I guess- Four years ago. Well, be- before we get to the yeah. point where you decided not to uh, not not to do medicine anymore, which is pretty recently, so you know, yeah, you, no, it was recent, yeah. And you were you obviously had a certain amount of fear as to whether or not you could make a living. I was panicked. I mean, my, it was my wife who get, kind of supported me leaving. She was because I'd done knocked up during a vacation week at Kaiser, and I remember feeling after that was this is might might have been the best experience ever in my comedy life yeah and and you know and i i just love judd so much and yeah and it, i just had such a magical time shooting that it was yeah. the first movie i'd done and the first big part of anything and i <clears throat> i did feel like a change come over me you know like wow this is maybe maybe this is it and um and my wife was the one who supported me to leave she's like well you, you know you're just gonna be miserable and maybe she, she was doing it I think out of love and also out of like well you know I don't want an angry Karina in my house like <laughs> resenting me any more angry <laughs> I don't want any more angry yeah. she's Vietnamese and Viet- we always joke about that now let's talk okay. about that a bit because you know I've talked to uh, I, I don't know a lot of Korean people but I do know that people from other cultures who are either you know first or second generation in this country that the pressure on them uh, you know by their parents to, to succeed is extraordinary. And, you know, because I talked to Cho about this and I've talked to, uh, I talked to Kamel uh, Nanjiani that there's just something about, you know, either the second generation American experience that, you know, it's like you have to succeed. Yeah. yeah and now I don't know how much of that you, you uh, had to deal with, but I have to assume it was a lot. All the time. I, I mean, mean, from all, a young age. Yes, I mean, from what, a young age, I was, you know, I felt I was probably groomed to be, I was groomed to be a doctor. You know, I was... Do you have brothers and sisters? I have a younger sister. She's still in North Carolina. She's a research librarian at Wake Forest. 
So we've always been in academics. It's always not necessarily medicine, but it was definitely. I mean, I took calculus when I was fifteen. You know, <laughs> I was Wait, like, now did you? you know, I skipped the grade when I was a kid. And you, oh, really? Yeah, I did all that shit, and and um, I when graduated you, high school when I was sixteen. Really? <laughs> yeah. So, and this was all because yeah. of pressure. Yeah, I, I mean, pressure wh- my parents put on me, and then the pressure. You just start putting on yourself because they wired you into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and yeah. you're wondering why you're angry? Like it's just a sort of. I mean, why am I angry, Mark? What? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but I think that <laughs> there the, you go. Yeah, the, but the one thing you were talking about, though, that I, you know, in my own uh, sort of exploration of anger, that you know, there is frustration and there is a sense of not doing what you want to do. But I think a lot of it, people would say, would either come from you know fear or sadness. And I imagine that, you know, that, you know, not being able to, or feeling trapped is a horrible feeling. Yeah. But I imagine from a very young age that you, you were constantly just doing your homework. Yeah. <laughs> I was constantly doing my homework. I was doing everything I was told. Did I you mean, have friends? Yeah. I had, fr- I mean, it was weird. I got along. I, it, I feel like show business kind of mirrors your high school behavior. No shit. That's my theory. And, <laughs> yeah. and in high school, I never had really, really close friends, but I had I got along with everybody. I never got in a fight in my life. And I grew up in North Carolina. I'm a small Asian kid with anger issues growing up in North Carolina. Yeah. I never I got along with everybody, like all the cliques, like yeah. every single yeah, me clique. Me too. That's a comedian. Really? In yeah, you. I, yeah, that's a comedian. That is it. You're right. Comedians are diplomats, I think, by nature, I, to some extent. I, but you know, but I for some reason I think it's diplomatic because we kind of want to be friends with everybody. Yeah, we I want mean, everybody to like us. Entertainers, I guess that's that's the thing. Yeah. Were you able to do that thing where you were able to sort of like uh, charm you know the the guys that might have kicked your ass and actually make fun of them without Absolutely. them knowing it? Absolutely. Oh, I don't think I I don't think I got that. I, I don't think I ever made fun of them. Yeah. I don't think I was. I think I was just so grateful I didn't get my ass kicked. <laughs> I don't think I ever got to that. I think I would now. I think yeah. I would be, you know, I still would never go up to the school, anyone who I didn't like in high school and and uh, and then, but I would probably be a lot more passive aggressive, subversive now. <laughs> I probably would. But what what happened with the, so you're you're frustrated, you're going through this uh, pre-med and med and you graduate high school and you're 16. Oh, you're, you were one of those guys. I was How one of those you guys. Know? You youth, must have. Youth of the year, Greensboro, 1986. Oh, look it up. Yeah, look at the rage. <laughs> look at the rage. Age. That's all me. Yeah, it's, I am. <laughs> it's the angriest kid on the block. <laughs> so you, they, you, you must have got some shit. I got. I did you do other people's homework too? <laughs> no, I never. But I, I, I would always never cheated. But I remember I would help out everybody. I would help. I was the kind of guy that. But I was not. Uh, I wasn't. I wasn't driven to be valedictorian either. Even though, were you? No, I was. Uh, Salutatorian, which is second place, and how much? Which Korean means loser, but it's like that's what I was just yeah, gonna say. I yeah. saw a, an Asian, comment. but I never cared about it. I never, I made fun of the valedictorian. But did your did your parents say anything? Were they disappointed? That you, no, they were happy. Not even in I, your head, you thought like fuck. No, because I got into Duke. I think because they, I think they. What I learned now is they just wanted me to be stable. They didn't want me to be the best. And I, I think I misinterpreted that as a kid, and maybe till probably very recently, is that they never ever wanted me to be number one, which is different from most other kind right. of stereotypical Korean families. They just wanted me to be happy and stable because I'm at a point in my life where I'm a working actor and and I have a wife and two daughters and. My parents have never, ever been happier for me. They have not resented the fact that I'm not doing medicine anymore. They have, they, they just, 
they know it and and even when I thought they weren't supporting me they would they would come to all my plays at Duke or they would come to all my stand-up shows even they came to Charlie Goodnights all the time to watch me of course I probably had a blind spot to that and just forgot that happened and just said well you know you don't support me but you know uh, there is a little bit of he said she said I think to my memory where it were definitely they were more supportive than I ever thought that they did, and they all. I, I remember being in med school. My my dad would always brag about that I had a really unique hobby. Yeah, always bragged about hobby. that hobby. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. It was always a hobby. Well, that's the thing. I think now they they've never been happier because they know in the back of their heads that if everything craps out with acting, you can always be a doctor. It's very true. I mean, yeah. and I and you, I imagine you think that too. I think that too. I renewed my license in June, so obviously I've become my <laughs> father. I just. I paid the, I paid the two grand it was needed just to renew your California license. <laughs> That's hilarious. So you can practice. I can practice. I still have an active uh, DEA number. I and think everything. that's very smart. I, I don't, yeah, I mean, maybe it's, again, insecurity, fear. I mean, it's just all those things. No, though. but I mean, you put the work you know, in. What do you? It you is know? a hard one skill. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and it takes a lot of work. But being a doctor is a very useful, very specific thing. You had to get through organic chemistry. But let's go back to when you started. Where, where was that moment where you're this little you know, brainy guy who works his ass off? I can only imagine you must have been miserable. Uh, on some level, doing all that homework and and just I was uh, just stressed out. I I don't I could I don't even know what miserable meant. I just remember just being stressed out all the time in high school. So what was the moment where you were on stage where you're like, holy shit? There was this a feels great. There was like this. Um, I was popular enough in high school to get into this uh, kind of mock beauty pageant for guys. You know, yeah. was, and as a joke as a joke, and yeah. I did that, and I just would. You know, as a kid, I'd watch like wrestling, like Hulk Hogan, and I would. I was a chubby kid. I was actually ten pounds, fifteen pounds heavier than I am now. Actually, I was a chubby. Yeah. I mean, you know, and and I would go out there just do Hulk Hogan poses. I remember getting a standing ovation, right there. That was like the last. It was like uh, it was like the last uh, the last month of high school, and no one ever knew I was. I I, I didn't know I could do that to anybody. I was just I was so like revered, and then uh, and then I sang. Uh, Cause I played violin and piano. I did all those things. Oh I, my god! And I sang like uh, violin three times a lady, uh, the Commodore song. Yeah. On and I knew the piano version. I sang it, and I, and I got earnestly, it, earnestly, like real for real. And I never sang publicly before, and I got a standing O for that. It was like two or three standing O's in that mock beauty pageant, and I still play second. <laughs> I didn't win it again. And again, it's salutatorian, salutatorian in comedy <laughs> as well as in academics. You know, I'm 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 good. I am that second place guy, and I'm uh, and I'm completely fine with that. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I don't. Have, yeah, maybe. You know, maybe. maybe yeah, maybe. So you sang really once, twice, three times a lady for yeah. real? For real? I not did not it. as a joke. Not as a joke. Did, were they laughing? No, they just no. loved it, and girl, I, girls are crying. I remember that. Oh my! Like God. I had no idea that was in me. So that that's what informed me when I went to college. I was like, oh, I got to try acting. How much of that? How much do you think that you know whatever your appeal is, you know, comedically? Do you think it is because now that you're beyond the stand-up that you are somewhat um, subverting, you know, what people think Asian funniness is? I never think that way in terms of what I think Asian funniness is. I, I just, I mean, you know, on, on a fundamental level, does it level, offend you when I say that? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> You know, because what the fuck? I man. know. What, why do you got to make it about why Asian? You got, well, you got, why you got to go there, bro? <laughs> I'm all fucking kissing your ass right now, saying how much I'm addicted to your podcast. And I've tweeted you... my love for you, and you got to go fucking, you got to marginalize me like that? Play how, the Asian How card. dare you, sir? <laughs> Good. God damn it. I'm fucking out of here. 
<laughs> Again, yes, I'm angry. Uh, and then, of course, I, I, I suffix that. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry for being mock angry. I'm sorry angry for being mock you. angry at you. No, but, I just wonder because, like, you have to be aware on some level that, you know, when you look at the your yeah. place, you, you are part of the a clique of people that are that are popular in film comedies, you know, and you are one of them. You show up in in what is the 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 new wave of, of comedic yeah, actors. Yeah. You know, you're in the hangover, you're in community, yeah. you know, you're doing movies with Judd, you're hanging out with Zach in movies. I yeah. mean, you're that guy. Yeah. But but some part of that, you know, and, and I've talked to you know black comics as well, that you have to be aware of the fact that you're the Asian guy. Absolutely. I, I mean on, on one level I'm very yeah, absolutely you have to be aware that you're the Asian guy and and Does that know, anger you? No. Okay. No, not at all. I mean I think it's you know, I, I think it's my responsibility if I'm gonna do an Asian part, if I can add whether I do it successfully or not, if I can add something to it, it's like I, I was I saw Zach last week and and and, and we were talking about like in, in Hangover where I was like it was an ad lib where I a couple times I say ah it's funny because he's fat I did yeah. that a couple and those are ad libs and and those are like those are meta jokes you're yeah. commenting on a comedy yeah and I felt like a lot of stuff I was attempting to do you know in that in those kind of roles even like Pineapple Express when you're doing like Asian characters you're trying to con. Uh, either go meta or you're trying to do something where you're just trying to put a different spin on it, whatever that is. And and so I, I feel it's very important for me to do that and my kind of responsibility yeah. to do that and, and, and as as opposed to just read it rote, which sure. I will you know never do, you know, right. that kind of thing. But uh, so on some level it's that. And then on some level it's like, oh, I'm a character actor. I'm just a supporting actor. I'm a supporting character actor and that's kind of what I do. So I always kind of like maybe in my own head, like, compare myself more to, like, like a Joe Latrulio or Matt Walsh and those guys who sure. are just brilliant character actors. And, and, and I feel like those are, like, my... Those are guys I want to be like. You know? Right. And, and kind of like, oh, I wish I could do this, like, how Walsh does it or... or or how Joe does it. I, in my head, I actually try to think that as opposed to like, oh, I, I better nip it up right now. I don't think that, I haven't thought of, I better nip, Jesus, I'm sorry. I didn't nip it up. But you have thought that before. <laughs> yes. Oh, my when sta- you were doing stand-up. Stand-up was all about nipping it up for me because I knew it would get an instant laugh. Yeah. And all I had to do was the accent. And at the very least in, you know, in, in, in Biloxi, you'll get a laugh. Sure. You know? And uh, no offense to anyone in Biloxi, but it's a fact. You'll get a laugh. It is what it is. But it's, uh, you know, but I think that, yeah, definitely was a lot more, uh, the Asian awareness was a lot more. Do you feel bad about that? No. No. Not really. I think it's part of my process to get to where I am now. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. I think I probably would feel bad if I was doing that shtick now i think yeah and if i if i didn't feel like i was growing yeah i'd I'd feel a little guilty now so now by the time you decided to give up medicine you'd already done the hangover really right or shot it yeah i shot that two years ago and you gave up medicine i'd given up medicine that that was a stressful time for a lot of levels but i i gave up medicine and i'd done like a a number of films knocked up had just come out and i'd done a number of films that were in the can in 07 but in 08 i was really wasn't working much in terms of like movies, I hadn't gotten any like studio movies. So, were you still seeing patients? Where, where patients were like, "I saw, did I see you?" No, I, 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 I quit. I did do a couple of uh, temp jobs where I like worked at an urgent care clinic in uh, Van Nuys just to just kind of keep my skills up a little bit because I had yeah. all that free time and I was just bored. I was like, "Okay, well, let me just you know." Was, you this know, is after you quit. Is after I quit. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I did a handful of those. Like I'd say, like 
You just saw patients at urgent time. care? Yeah, an urgent, like a walk-in clinic. Just, and to, just keep your chops up? Like, yeah. you know, I just got to get on stage for a few minutes. I gotta, there was a bit of that I gotta going on. Got to feel some uh, stomach. Yeah, yeah. The, there, there's, some ab, there's some palpation I need to do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I need to. I need, I need so to. You feel your glands in your I, neck. I, 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 I'm getting some, rusty. There's some glands I need to palpate, dude. I'm, <laughs> I'm jonesing for palpation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There was a little bit of that going on. Because there was guilt, like me being having all this free time and, and like, oh, And God. being a caregiver. And being On a, some level that, you know, you could be helping people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then it, it, there was a guilt on that. Like, geez, I probably fucked up and and did the wrong thing. I picked a good. T- I picked a you know. I picked a great time to quit when my wife was uh, pregnant with twins, and 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 I haven't worked in fucking eight months. And I was like, Jesus, is this? I don't know what it was going on. And and then, uh, but that was a time where Tran, where the shit really hit the fan when Tran was diagnosed with breast cancer. My wife was breast uh, diagnosed with breast cancer in July of '08, and then. And then I just booked the hangover, and it was like, it was just, and I wasn't going to do it. And then Tran, you know, you know, uh, was just, and, and and my my mother in law who came while uh, and, and took care of the kids and Tran just a uh, few days I was away in Vegas. Just that took everything else. I feel like my life has been defined. I used to think my life was defined before medicine, after medicine, and now definitely my life is defined like before cancer after cancer at least from my my spouse's you know and this was after she had the kids after she had the kids yeah and and, and how is she she's cancer free she's fine it's been it was two years yeah it was an aggressive cancer that's great to hear stage three it was like had gotten to a point where it was invading the muscle a little bit and and you're both doctors we're both fucking doctors and you know what what the fuck we fuck how we would joke about that we were joking because she found a lump when she was breastfeeding and i was like and, we, and both of us, I mean, I married her for a reason. We both have the same kind of sensibility. And yeah. she's like, yeah, it's probably cancer. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. anyway. <laughs> and then it, it was, and it was misdiagnosed as benign initially. They did a biopsy that was wrong. And then it was, um, then they took out the mass only because it was getting bigger. Right. And she was just like, ah, fuck it. I'll just get it removed. And then I was, it was getting red. And I was, my worst case scenario as a doctor was, oh man, it's a fucking abscess. It's, it needs to be lanced. And that, that was my worst case scenario. And then when it came back as a cancer, as cancerous, I was like, Jesus fucking Christ. I didn't know what the, I mean, it was just, uh, so fucking scary. It, it is so scary. And it just, um, there's no family history of it. And it was like, and you know, it just, it, but the kids were, in, in, in the kids were definitely a blessing in that because they're only one. They're just happy to live. So when you're worried about, I guess, dying and they're happy to live, they're, they're, and they didn't know that mommy was suffering. So they were definitely our Prozac. They were like our therapy. They, sure. Because it, it was great. It was great that we were so, you know, we were so, we had shit to do. Like they still, kids still had to be fed every three hours and you still had to do that. And, 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 and I think doing a hangover was so fucking therapeutic for me. Because well, number one, I get I got to give Todd Phillips, the director, and, and uh, a lot of credit because they, uh, like, I was only there in Vegas for four. I only shot the movie for four days. Yeah, uh, and 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 then all the off days, they would fly me back to uh, home in L.A. and and so while Tran would get her chemo, and it was, uh, you know, doing that was, and, and Tran was right. She was like, "You do this, you 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 you'll be. I know you." You're an angry, burned out guy. You're gonna be even more like burned out at, at home caring for the kids. I was doing everything at home, and she was like, "You just needed a little bit of a break." And 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 uh, my my mother in law, my my in laws live in San Francisco, and she came down and basically just stayed with us for for about four months, and it was great. It was, I just I you know that's why I think hangover for me on on one level it was knocked up, 
you know, getting me work. And then another level was hangover, like kind of like, definitely kind of like realizing just life is short. If As an actor, just, I mean, it's it's up to you to make these, think of the stupidest, bravest choice you could do and just do it, you know? And that was my idea to, to pitch it naked and it just appealed to Todd and, and the sensibility of oh, the movie. Oh, you did that? This, yeah, that was my idea. And, um... Because I kept, I kept reading, reading it over in my mind. Because in the script, it just had me coming out with, with pants. Coming I was, out of the trunk naked. Yeah. So, and I was like, what if it was naked? I think it'd be really funny. And he was like, but actors pitch shit all the time to directors. And directors like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just an actor. Just, you know, yeah. know your lines. Yeah. Dummy. And it, it was funny. And it was, and, and he was like, yeah. It was like, he was like, it's, that's genius. And let's do it. And then um, it just, uh, but I've never had, I've never to this day ever had a director just, uh, just just embrace any idea I've ever had so wholeheartedly to the point I was kind of nervous. I was like, because he made me sign a nudity waiver within like an hour. Because <laughs> his... Uh, he didn't want you to back out. He didn't back, want me to back Yeah, he didn't want me. He was afraid I was going to back out, I think. <laughs> or, or his associate was, uh, Scott Budnick. Was, yeah, they were like, we got to get this in writing. And I had, I mean, I had already made up my mind. It was like, I, I'm not, I didn't even for once consider not doing it. So... Um, I just felt like it would. It just it just served the tone of the movie, and then and also it seems to me that if um if I if I'm hearing you cr- properly in in terms of your history with comedy that you know it, it seems that given the stress that you were under as a kid and now you know the compounded stress of career fear and your wife's illness that you know you really are able to get out of yourself with comedy and you're able to express yeah. your anger and just like yeah. I, I I assume you lose yourself pretty thoroughly yeah. when you are acting. I'm I'm in a trance. <laughs> it's like. Uh, yeah, definitely. So, so it's interesting to me that you made that choice in light of this uh, this horrendous, you know, p- potentially tragic situation you were in, and and the pain of of the illness. That you're like, I'm just, I'm gonna expose myself completely. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just bathe in this choice. Yeah, <laughs> there was a bit of that where I was like, maybe you didn't think of that, but this seems like such a an extreme uh, decision to make. To be naked in a movie that millions of people are going to see, you know, in the face of your wife's cancer. It's sort of like, it's yeah. just sort of interesting it's, to me. Yeah, it's just kind of. <laughs> I know it's just funny, but it, it's, you know, it's a big choice to be naked. It's a big in a choice movie. to be naked. But for some reason, see, I ran up by my wife too, because my wife loves comedy. And I was like, I, even before I went to Vegas, I was like, Tran, it, wouldn't it be funny if I was naked? And she was like, you know. Yeah. And what's she She's getting her chemo. Yeah, that'd be awesome. You know, she was chemo. like, yeah. You know, even with the chemo running, she yeah. was like, Dude, that's fucking funny. I mean, yeah. fuck. I mean, because she's my buddy. I mean, she was like, she's kind of my partner in crime. She was like, that's really fucking funny. So it was like, I I always like before I do anything, I always run it. I mean, you know, I'm a pussy. I just run it by my wife. But I and I and I ran that one. That was really important for me. That I made sure that everyone was on board. So it was now, a calculated, you know, risk. Oh yeah, yeah. You, know? you don't want to surprise her. With I'm not going to surprise. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, right when she's getting better, I'm cancer free. What the fuck? Oh, you're in a fuck. trunk naked. You're in a fucking here. <laughs> fucking motherfucker! How long? How long was it? Was that? I mean, like, I just I'm trying to picture two doctors, you know, uh, around, you know, uh, you know, a, a cancer diagnosis. I mean, were you angry at the doctors who misdiagnosed? Yeah, it? I, mean, I was I mean, angry. I mean, I, I was definitely like because mad. It's not really you're 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 not a cancer doctor and you're not a surgeon, no. so you can only speculate. Exactly as well. right. I'm an internist who doesn't do any surgery, so it's, you know, I was mad as a patient, but I was very understanding as a doctor. I could see why the doctor missed it. They did biopsies. They did three core biopsies. There were very thorough biopsies that was done. They just missed the tumor. I think that's what happened. In my head, it, it was, it's like a basketball game where, where, where you play the basketball game perfectly, X's and O's, and you lose. It happens, and unfortunately, 
it just happened. And it's, there's no anger in terms of they made a mistake. Uh, they did everything in their power to do it. And as a doctor, I would not have done anything differently. Isn't that interesting, though? Because you know? a lot of people, So I do have that compassion. Yeah. That's why I don't have that that anger towards anyone, you know, or, yeah. or even this diagnosis or even the complication that would ensue from that. Right. And we paid the price for that. But had they found it earlier, uh, it was only a couple months, it wouldn't have changed anything. And right. I know that. And that as a doctor, I do know. It wouldn't change the treatment. It wouldn't change the surgery. It wouldn't change the radiation that ensued. It wouldn't change anything. And it, I'm just grateful. So when I look at it that way, I'm grateful that they fall. It was followed up and it was found. That to me is more important than you know sure, the, that than missing it. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. a lot of people forget that about doctors, and it's one of the reasons why my father, you know, does not you know practice in the same way that he used to. Is that you know people are so quick to blame doctors, yeah. to sue doctors, right. to accuse them of not doing something. You know, I mean, there's a whole business built around yeah. waiting for a doctor to fuck up. Right, and a lot of times, doctors they they don't know they don't know everything. You know, it's trial and error. Medicine is just trial and error. You're trying to fit a clinical science in to the best educated guesswork that you can, and that's what medicine to me. And I would tell patients when I was working, I would actually tell them like, in in a weird way, the comedy helped me because I would say, okay. I don't know what's going on with you. We're trying to find what's wrong. We we're trying to figure out the cause of a cough. And you did all these studies and, and the CAT scan was negative or chest x-rays negative. Look, okay, I don't know what we're going to do, but let's, we'll kind of have to improvise here. We'll kind of have to ad-lib right now. And that's when you took your pants off. That's when I took my pants off. I said, listen, <laughs> we're gonna this... let me just do this. This is kind of, <laughs> this may help me in a movie five years later. It's unorthodox, but it's, it's unorthodox. You're going to laugh. It's my process. So... <laughs> Because you'll laugh at the side of it's not no it's not it's not micro penis it's an actual penis that was flaccid so just yeah look just Mrs Mrs Feinstein just don't just relax and just let Asian Patch Adams do his work uh, it was uh, but yeah and and even our um, even our oncologist um, said uh, you know this is a very rare kind of cancer it's not your typical breast cancer it it, it was very aggressive like a melanoma kind uh-huh. of aggressive and it was like you know we're going to have to we're going to have to improvise a little bit he said that and and that i i responded well to actually i was like well medicine is all improv you know it's all like uh, guesswork and you're all you have to listen to your patient you know and and really you know that's why it's i don't care how fucking smart you are if you don't know how to talk to a person or don't know how to listen to a person, you'll never be a good doctor. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care what school you went to because the one thing I did, I wasn't the smartest doctor there, but I definitely could figure out or listen to a person or get the gestalt of it. I could see if a patient's complaining of abdominal pain and and get the sense maybe it's not the abdominal pain, maybe it's the fact they're depressed or something else. And some doctors I know will just go down every blind alley looking for that cause of abdominal pain when you see the lady crying hysterically. And all it's clinical out, and it's, oh Yeah, all clinical self-awareness. Right. And maybe my own self-awareness as a person, even my own perceived flaws, actually became my strengths as a, as a doctor. I really think, I think the self-awareness my dad kind of like instilled in me, it helped me be that much 
by telling you you were angry. Yeah, that you were a good guy, but you're yeah, angry. I'm a good guy, but I'm angry. Yeah. It, but it, it helped me be sensitive to other people, and I'm a, I do consider myself a very sensitive guy. Yeah. And, and I and but that's good. That can be bad in some social situations, but I think in a clinical situation is very beneficial. I think like like my father, who's a doctor, you know, he has a very hard time with not being able to practice you know the medicine exactly the way he wants to practice it because yeah. of budget constraints. And he thinks that's a crime. Well, I mean, with with all due respect to your father, your father basically flourished as, crazy. as a no. Your father, well, <laughs> yeah. your father flourished as a doctor when it yeah. was booming. It was in its you know its medical boom years. You yeah. know, everything was flourishing. You could you could you know you could hang out with a farm phar- pharmaceutical rep and go to like. Tunisia for a month or whatever, you know, you could come do back that. with a box of Viagra. Yeah, you come back with a box of Viagra. You come back with like you can get courtside tickets at a Lakers game, you know, that really easily. If you're a doctor, you just had it all economically. And then by the time I became a physician, that was all stripped away. So all we had basically, especially in the West Coast, was mostly managed care. So I think uh, ignorance is bliss on my part because I wasn't, I didn't know what how good private practice. Is because I never ever have attempted to right. try and, that. Right, and there's a lot of that old guard that still the, fight this idea yeah. that they got spoiled. Yeah, and that in most other places in the world, you know, doctors are are almost civil servants. That yeah. you, that you yeah. know, like in England in the British system, I mean, they do all right. But you know, during the boom time with the oh. private practice, I mean, you know, doctors were huge, and I and I and I don't think necessarily that meant the care was good either. Yeah, you know, I'm not talking about my father, but I mean in general. I, I really do think doctors and actors are very similar. Where like an actor doesn't want to be directed too much. We want that freedom to improvise. Right. We want that freedom to make a creative stamp. And doctors want that same freedom to make the decisions they want to make. And um, you know, you're you know, and doctors are. It is a very convenient to make the enemy the administration. Where it's very convenient for me to make the enemy. Oh, it's the studio that won't yeah, let yeah. me do that. Won't let me do it naked or yeah. whatever. Or, yeah. or, and then uh, so uh, and then sometimes in retrospect oh maybe, well you know maybe that was just my ego talking maybe that wasn't the best choice or you know it's it, you know hindsight being 2020 um you know i i think that uh I, yeah there are definitely constraints and it definitely it's a pain in the ass the only the only problems i ever had was when when there's a test that i knew that had to be done but sometimes you have to go through the paperwork it'll just take a fucking six weeks to get it done yeah that's what would frustrate me, the weights. But yeah. you know what? In England, you got to wait. Yeah. Canada, you got to wait. Yeah. So my thing was, okay, this is stupid for us to wait. I know what the deal is, but just the red tape is making me do this. That's where, you know. You get frustrated. I, well, for me, I, I found a way. I was never angry as though. I found a way just to schmooze my way in to, hey, I call my ENT buddy who's a buddy of mine. Like, hey, man, dude, is there any way you can, like, I would wait for my best friend who was a specialist on the call that day. I could, oh, it's his turn to be called in. Hey, buddy, can I, Yeah, I got this page. Can you just see him like tomorrow? Yeah, can yeah. Just do that? Yeah, sure, buddy. Hey, you doing any shows at the Ice House? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah dude, I would totally use my stand-up notoriety i would use that like a motherfucker dude oh yeah dude i'm doing it because i would use guys that were young specialists hip hipper yeah, doctors yeah, yeah. that would come hang out with me we'd party with or come to my comedy shows i would wait for that guy to be on call and sure say, dude can you fucking i know you probably need to wait but you want know, just fucking just doing it tomorrow it's like i would do that <laughs> i'll all get the time. you two tickets for the ice yeah, I'll get you, look i'll get you and your girl in for free oh yeah hey how's she doing man oh she yeah so fine. there's an argument yeah. to be made that you should continue practicing because you could probably give the best uh, you could be the best doctor in California. I could pot. Well, my my wife says that all the time. She was like, everyone talks about you quitting your job, but people for like people, you know, you know, you're a good, 
you were a good doctor. I had a good like, you know, um, you know, I had I I got it. I, I got it down to a science on how to work at Kaiser, at an HMO, right. in terms of how to finesse the system, how not to get angry at it, and then how to how to use it, how to kind of schmooze your way in and getting the test that you want. But now you could say, like, you want to meet Jack Galifianakis? <laughs> That's what exactly I'm going to do Can now. Can you get this guy into surgery tomorrow? That's really funny. <laughs> Hey Zach, hey, you want to talk to Zach? On, uh, yeah, yeah, you want Zach to email you back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll probably yeah. say something very witty and dry. Just get me this. Get get this person on the gurney now. Yeah, there, it, dude. I absolutely. If I went back now, you'd know, be like a celebrity. I'd be. Pra- I would be. Yeah, I'd be. Yeah. I'd be practicing bad medicine at this point, getting any tests I wanted. <laughs> yeah, give me, give me an MRI for Phyllis. Yeah, yeah I'll yeah. throw you in. Uh, yeah. throw you in a pre-screening for uh, Transformers Three. <laughs> you want that? You want that? <laughs> You want me, Michael Bay? Yeah. yeah. I'll get that in. You yeah. get to me Megatron, too, if you want. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. That is hilarious. You're right. Do you do you find that, like, I mean, the, that you are a doctor. I mean, do you, uh, like, the thing always impressed me about my dad. Now, I know you're an actor now, but there's that moment. Have you ever had that moment where someone actually says, is there a doctor? Yeah. Yeah. When and, I was in residency. That must be a great feeling to be like, yes, I'm a doctor. No, I was scared shitless. I was... <laughs> <laughs> I was in I was in my residency. I was in my residency. Uh, still not a full doctor yet. Uh, gotten you get your MD, but that doesn't mean shit. You just got you have you have to do your residency after your you know your dad would know that you know. Um, so I was an intern, barely a doctor, and I was on a plane uh, to Hawaii, and someone was was having a heart attack or having chest pain, and there was a doctor there, and I raised my hand, and so I had to take the blood pressure and give nitroglycerin and. Just watch it, monitor the blood pressure, make sure that the nitroglycerin wasn't lowering the blood pressure. I mean, I was really cool about it, but you knew I what you were doing. I knew what I was doing, but I was scared. That he Could not die. have been more scared. <laughs> then, I, but you're right. There is that. Now, there, I forgot. There was a party recently. Um, yeah, someone was choking at a, a stand-up comedian. It was Ralphie May, who yeah. I go back with uh, when I was doing stand-up at the Laugh Factory. It was like it might have been like now eight years ago. Some a woman was choking at her party and uh and I and I just quickly did she was like you know 200 pounds I just lifted her up just did the Heimlich boom you know and, oh, really? said, yeah and I didn't think anything of it I just went back and just had my beer after that it was like not a be <laughs> because I guess I was used to in the hospital where where I did take hospital call where if a patient flatlines you know the do yeah. the you know the clear the you know yeah. advanced cardiac life support so I think I was in that zone as a doctor where I'd yeah. been in a couple of uh I got a couple this. of wars. Yeah, it was kind of like, oh, I got, you know, it's almost like me talking to my doctor. Oh, yeah, this patient. I got, yeah, let me I got talk it. to you later, Tim. Yeah. I got this. Let me do it. <laughs> Boom, blah. You'll be okay. Hey, you, you want to? Yeah, you, yeah, you want, you, yeah, you want, you want some juice? All right, I'll see you later. So anyway, Tim, he's talking yeah, yeah. to this bitch, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, just, second nature. It was kind of second. There was a time where, where I was definitely, just like when you, you know, like right now, I think I'm as an actor, kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm entering a zone where I feel relaxed and kind of like in the moment a lot, which is a, the best feeling in the world artistically. And then there was definitely that point in medicine where I was feeling relaxed and in the zone. I, I knew what I, I knew what I could do well. And, and that was that. Oh, know, that's great. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad your, uh, your wife is healthy. That's great. Yeah. Man. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no, I mean, a lot of that is, I mean, and I think a lot of really helped us as, as doctors that with the first chemotherapy dose, her tumor markers went down. So we knew that there was a good chance that we could beat this thing. Although there was like a 23% chance of a cure or it's with that kind of tumor, it's either all or none. And it's either, 
universally fatal or you survive it completely. And we were so, once we saw her CA2729 go down to normal levels, we were thinking, okay, I think we got a shot at this. I think this is good. And that was after the first dose of chemo. So, and that was, um, and that was before hangover. So we had a sense that there was a little bit, there was hope on the horizon and that she was responding well and, and all signs were a go. And then after, um, and after she had her mastectomy and some of the nodes were removed, it turned out everything, because you got to do tissue uh, sampling. You have to you have to do biopsies and all the tissue you've taken out to see exactly did you get all the cancer or not. Yeah. All there was no cancer in it, which was a great thing. Right. So you still need to take it out because that's what you have to do in in, in breast cancer. I mean, with that kind of level of, of breast cancer. But you look at that and it was completely normal and. I just remember that was that. I remember that was in November when she had her, I think had the mastectomy. And we were just so fucking happy. We, we knew we were like, and that I think actually being doctors because there's the sense of being a doctor, you're the worst patient because you get really neurotic. Oh, it's not yeah, a cough. million options. Yeah, it's yeah. not, dude. This isn't a rash. This is rickettsia susugugamushi or whatever the fuck. What I, you know? <laughs> yeah, I've had that. Yeah, you've had that. I mean, you get your, you know, we're, we all doctors yeah. are the worst hypochondriacs. But, yeah. But when, but when their early indicators that a sign is going well, you know, like, yeah. like if a movie studio, if they know that their Friday receipts at the box office are doing well, they know they've got their weekend right. covered. Right. It's the same kind of thing where as a doctor, oh, that first response dose yeah. fucking worked. Yeah. yeah. But I think that honestly, there's some party that, w- w- you know, having to deal with that and having to deal with the fear and the pain and then, you know, uh, you know, moving through that had to at least have given you that in, in light of. Uh, her being supportive of your choice to be an actor, but to really realize, like, I'm, I'm going to fucking do what I want to do. I mean, like, you know, you only live once, you know. And, That's and exactly what I was thinking of Hanger. That was yeah. my whole rationale of doing, going naked in Hanger was like, you only live once because I could go at any time. Might as well just fucking don't hold back yeah that's yeah. exactly it and, and that, I, I think that reads in all of your all yeah, of i your, think definitely since hangover i've and i think there you has, don't you don't hold i've back. been more aggra- <laughs> you know but i think i have been a little bit more aggressive consciously i remember that first season of community i was definitely aggressive where because i was a teacher i was an angry spanish teacher i mean dan Harmon, who created that show was like a genius he but he let me just take it was great and then you know but it's funny now artistically speaking I, I know that that's, I, I think now this, like this season of community, the second season, I'm not as angry anymore. So, so, so artistically, like I'm asking, okay, well, where do I go with this? Well, I'm, I think I'm, my character's slowly ha- about to have a nervous breakdown, but there's, it's manifesting in weird ways. Yeah. And, and so uh, it's not a conscious attempt, but I'm, I'm always like, well, let's see, let's see how weird I can just do it. I yeah. don't know if it's funny. And I, I my, my feeling is like, well, there are eight people on that show that are really funny. I don't, it's not a competition, so let me just see if I can be the weirdest guy of the cast. So there's always this thing I'm having, so I'm always trying to make one of our actors, uh, Danny Pudi, who plays Abed, um, he's a very good laugher, he's good, he's like in a good audience, I'm always just trying to make him break. So every scene I do now, this season, if he's laughing, because he's going to laugh at something that's weird or sublime, yeah. then I know I'm doing my job. <laughs> so he's my gauge. So I feel like this year on the show, and I said, it's a good artistic thing for me to do, because I, I need to get better as, as an actor. Is like, okay, well, let me see how, how weird I can go. You know, I think maybe that's kind of like where I'm at right now. Like, you know, I haven't really thought about it that consciously, but I noticed like um, I can't be... I know it's not a, I mean, when you're on a TV show, you can't repeat. I'm trying not to repeat. The, and we all have a limited set of moves, but we can't repeat the same amount of moves right. that I did doing last year. And 
And so they very smartly not made me a teacher this year, and I'm a student who's lost my job, you know. And now I'm there as a and but I'm I'm, I want but I'm going back to the school that fired me and that humiliated me, and I want to join the study group, but they're but they're always turning me down. So it's kind of like it's kind of like I'm Wally Coyote and trying to chase it, but I'm never succeeding. So I have so much more pathology to play off of. Oh yeah, and also the self hatred of actually making the choice to go to the school that fired you. That's exactly that's exactly what I told myself. You know what the the self hatred that I have for myself to go back to the school that fired me. You just gotta, just, I mean, it, there's so many layers there to explore. And, yeah. and I told Dan, I like, I hope I never join the study group because I hope I'm just like, I, I, you know, I'm just this, uh, yeah, the amount of weirdness that's going now. Well, that's exciting. It's exciting, yeah, it's fun. So and you make it interesting for yourself. It's making, yeah, I think that's the key is it's trying to, you know, w- you know w- make it interesting. And did you finish shooting Hangover too? No, we're starting up actually. Oh really, how's so, it look? How's the script oh, look? It's, it's great, I yeah. mean, I, I can't, I, obviously I can't get anything more detailed than that, but it's, um, I think everyone, I mean, yeah, it's- it, Over just, the top, like- <laughs> I'm just so, I, I just so, I, you know, at the at the end of the day, that's like another, Todd Phillips is like family to me, where he was so, a lot of people don't know this about Todd, he- The director. Yeah, Todd Phillips, the director, like every day when I was on set, he was always asking, "How Tran, how's Tran doing, how's Tran doing? His sister, he was, my sister's an oncologist, anything I can do, and he was a guy- let, you know, let me fly back to to, to L.A. And, and Bradley Cooper, who I did a movie with prior to that, we're, we're good friends. And um, and only he and Bradley actually knew at that time. I didn't tell anyone. And and um, and, uh, and and those guys were, you know, it, 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 when I see them, I do see them as entities now, as big success entities as they are, and deservedly so. But I see them also like, you know, man, I mean, even if the film made no money, it I, it was just one it was the best experience of my career because they were there for me when I was down and they got it and Bradley actually drove me home the last day of shooting drove me back home because he knows Tran very well and and he got to see the kids and he saw she saw Tran when all her hair was out and I mean he was I mean, we spent like the last three Christmases or last two Christmases together and even while Tran was going through chemo so there was. Uh, there's a big family feel on that set like with and now it's you know with ed bradley and zach who weren't you know they knew each other but now they're really good friends and yeah. todd needless to say and, and zach you know they got due date coming out you know everyone's like i go there it's like a it's, I mean, there's a sense of family there like you know we're in this together and it's, i don't know it's just a great it's one of those things where you know i'm just i, I look at all those guys especially like zach I, i'm just so I couldn't be. I honestly think he's the funniest guy working. In, I'm biased, but he's the funniest guy working right yeah. now. I mean, in my opinion, and I'm, you know, I see it up close. But well, so not, it's I nice. I think to... he's the funniest motherfucker. Oh yeah, he, he is. makes me laugh. He is very funny. Yeah, and he's a very sweet guy. He's the sweetest, most sensitive yeah, guy, and people yeah. don't know about it. He's people don't know how yeah. sweet and, and and sensitive he is. He's yeah. the sweetest guy. Yeah, and not not affected at all. No. You know, I, I interviewed him in his trailer. I think. Yeah, I was. He, I, when heard he was doing dude, doing yeah dude, I heard that. Yeah, I heard that. But uh, but it's all it's also nice for me to hear as a guy that you know is not you know in that world, but in comedy, you know that there is a community here, and I think a lot of people you know assume that we all you know breathe this rarefied air, and that yeah. you know, <laughs> nobody really talks to each other. And we're all a bunch of assholes. But to hear right. that even for me about Todd and about you yeah. know and about uh, Bradley, I mean, it's very sweet. It's uh, you know they're just people. We're they're just, just people. people, yeah. <laughs> and it's really cool to see them. Oh, they helped me out through some bad shit, and oh, they're really rich and famous. Not good for them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, good. You know, it's. Yeah. I, I just saw. I, I, this part of you going. They're not doctors. Yeah, they, yeah. I know. I do. I raise your hand if you've anyone had a terminal degree. I mean, no one here. Maybe that's why I can be so gracious in saying everyone's so funny 
I can say people are funnier than me because I know they're not fucking smarter than me. Yeah. So yeah. And I yeah. can save lives. I can save lives. <laughs> I saved a choking lady at Ralphie's May, Ralphie May's party. How many? Raise your hand if you've ever saved, saved, saved someone's life at a Ralphie May party. <laughs> nobody. Raise, nobody. <laughs> nobody here. Not Zach. Not Walsh. <laughs> not Latrolio. Not Apatow. <laughs> me. No, just me. <laughs> this guy right here. <laughs> exactly. I really appreciate you being here, and uh, good for- luck with uh, your future, and uh, and I'm, I'm glad to hear about your wife. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, what the fuckers, that's it. I hope you enjoyed that. What a sweet guy. A really good guy. Uh, and it, it's amazing to me that he's a doctor. I almost felt like I, you know, I needed... You know, I thought it would be awkward for me to ask him to, to take a look at some things. So uh, that didn't happen. But look, I'm happy you're listening. Please go to the Punchline if you want to see me if you're in the Bay Area. Those dates are November 11th, 12th, and 13th. Crowfoot Ballroom in Pontiac, Michigan. November 15th. Love to see you there. JustCoffee.coop. Hold on, I'll give you one. Pow! I just shit my pants. JustCoffee.coop, available at WTFPod.com, where you can also kick in a few shekels to the cause. This is a listener-supported show. Get on that mailing list. Buy some of those new shirts. The cat shirt's very popular. The Scream shirt also picking up a little momentum. I appreciate your support. I appreciate your listenership. I hope you enjoyed the show. Is that all I have to say? PunchlineMagazine.com. Is that all I have to say? I need to take a nap. I've got new underwear. Underwear.